welcome to the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, where small business entrepreneurs come to discover the strategies, systems, and tools to kick their marketing into high gear. If you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get ready to roll. All right, welcome everybody. This is Eli Delaney, the host of the Driving Your Marketing Podcast and co-creator of Your Marketing University. And what we do with this show is bring in fun, cool people, because let's face it, when it comes to marketing your business, that is the thing that so many entrepreneurs have struggled with. And they think, oh, I don't really want to do it. I don't like it. I don't know how. It's overwhelming. It has to be expensive, complicated. I've even heard black magic and voodoo. And so my goal is to help alleviate all of those things because I'm a marketing geek and let's face it, I have fun with this stuff. And so I like to do this to help you come up with things that you can do to market your business more effectively, think bigger about what you can do with your business without having to spend a lot of money and not necessarily making things complicated either. Most of the stuff we talk about is easy, simple things. And I love bringing in cool guests that I get to meet from throughout the world. And today I've got Ryan Harrell. He has been in the marketing and business development since the late 1990s He, when he graduated high school. He's founded several businesses. Is currently with currently working with a partner for the 219 Group where he helps businesses market themselves and grow. He's built and sold three businesses in the last 15 years. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is about how to build your business to sell. So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Certainly. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. So what did, how did you get started in this side of things? Because, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good journey for, for a very small amount of time, if you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, had, um, I mean, I always had an interest in marketing and, and the Internet. As soon as AOL came out, I was, I was just heavy into chatting and, and setting up my personal sites and whatnot and um, started selling things on eBay. Um, was able to uh, to buy video games relatively cheap whenever uh, all the consoles were competing against each other, and uh, learned how to to market the games on uh, all different online auction sites, and that led into creating an e-commerce website, uh, GamePusher.com. And um, then whenever I was unable to you know get the games at such uh, great deals, uh, I moved directly into uh, marketing and, and building websites for other folks. So it just kind of transitioned into um, you know, online auctions into building businesses online. Very cool. And I love that. You know, um, I don't know if you – have you do you know uh, Cameron Johnson at all? Do you recognize that name? That name sounds really familiar. Okay. He has, he's kind of got a story very similar to yours, and that's why I like this is that um, he actually started out he – was, he was even younger than you, and he started out actually selling his sister's Beanie Babies, and he was the guy behind the Beanie Baby craze. So you should definitely check out his story. Um, there's a great book called uh, You Call the Shots that he wrote that's got some really cool information about it. But it's amazing when I hear stories like this because you got, you know, you, I mean, you're just basically sitting there going, hey, how can I pay for video games? And you started yeah. your business that way, which is so awesome. It's a great entrepreneur spirit. And, you know, from there, you've gotten into being a web designer, which is like my background back um, story behind this company was actually I had a web and graphic design company for 18 years. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get that side of it. And you've come a long way. And one of the things that I that I was really impressed with was the fact that you've built your businesses to sell. And 
I think a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, no matter what category you put them into, we should be thinking that way even if we don't necessarily have plans to actually want to sell our businesses. Like for me, this is an example. I love what I do. If I wasn't doing this, I'm not really sure what I would do. So the thought of actually selling it, it'd have to be for a hell of a lot of money for me to do that. And so, you know, let's talk about that for a bit because you've done really well with that. What are, what's your thoughts on the, you know, what, what got you into the idea of selling your first business, really? Well, actually, I was approached, and I think that if you're, you bring up a really good point. If you're, if you're looking at your business as um, making it sellable, like how profitable can I make this? I mean, if you're going at it from that direction, your business, you have a really good opportunity for your business to, to do well because you're always looking at, um, you know, what can I do to make this business more attractive for someone else, which usually means more money. Uh, better cash flow, things of that nature. So if you are attacking it from that angle, then, yeah, you do. And this is definitely something that uh, I didn't think of at the beginning. I mean, when I first started doing it, I just thought it was a good time. I, I, it wasn't until I was actually in an entrepreneurship class at, at the local college that I realized that I was actually in business. I thought I was just making some extra money. Um, I didn't really put two and two together. Maybe I'm an idiot. I'm not sure. But um, I, I actually got uh, approached by a large uh, web hosting company um, who was in, in our local hometown, and uh, they said, "Hey, we're trying. You know, we're buying uh, local businesses, uh, or we're buying web design businesses, and, and we're rolling them in, uh, trying to create a large web design company. And they kind of wanted me to come in and and work with them. And I had no clue. Um, I mean, I just thought I had made it. It was, uh, you know, the the end all. Uh, I was just going to work there forever. And, um, you know, that's when I learned about earnouts and, you know, uh, contingencies and all those great things. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't really care because I, I was doing what I loved, and I just thought it was so awesome. Um, and so I, I sold, uh, sold that business right away um, without even really thinking about it, without, you know, just uh, thinking about, hey, well, is this really what I want to do? I just figured, you know, and it just sounds so cool to say, well, I sold my business, and everybody would you know, give me a high five. But. Uh, it, it was. Re- it really probably wasn't the best thing for me to do at the time, and I definitely learned a ton from it. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, that I actually got fired from that job while I was on my honeymoon. Um, so that was <laughs> probably one of the more interesting stories uh, in my career. But um, yeah, that was. That, I mean, that was that was uh, you know quite a uh, eleven years ago. So. Wow, and that's and that's really cool. What was I mean? You said you learned some really good lessons from that. What would yeah. you say is probably the the number one lesson that you learned from that first s- scenario that you were in? Well, you have um, you know obviously there's different there's different ways that you can uh, sell your business, purchase your business, kind of structure things whenever you exit um, and earnouts for service based businesses, which is what most marketing advertising companies are. Um, it's, it's tied to the person that's actually running it. Um, so it, whenever those kind of situations arise, they, they say, well, if you leave, your customers could leave. And so we're going to do a, you know, what's called like a, an earnout. So you only get paid if those customers stay on. And then if there's contingencies in it as well, like the customers have to upgrade within X amount of months or they have to do this and have to do that, um, then you, if they don't do it, you don't get paid. Um, and obviously, I just figured everyone was going to do it, but uh, not all customers want to want to uh, upgrade. And they, you know, they really liked working with an individual. Uh, they they buy you that one-on-one interaction, 
and they did not like whenever the you know larger corporate company came in and said, okay, we're handling your account now. They just switched to um, another another service provider. So um, I just figured that I was going to come in and say, hey guys, I sold the company, and everyone was going to you know stick around, and and I was going to get paid, but you know it didn't uh, didn't happen that way. Right, and that and that does make sense. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I like I said, my per, my situation is that I'm not really sure that I I want to sell out, you know, sell out my company. I'm really happy with what sure. I do. I love what I do, but the the principles behind building a business that are sellable, I think, are really critical. And this is something that I wish that I had actually learned way way early on in my life, so I could actually decide. Number one is like the situation that you had where. If customers left, what was going to happen? Are you still going to get paid type situation? Sometimes people buy you, and, I, and that's one of the yeah. things that I even teach is people buy you more than the company. And it doesn't matter, you know, you could be in real estate, it doesn't matter what company you work for, the relationship oh, yeah. you have with people is what makes a difference. And I think that that's, that's critical in the process of growing the business, but mm-hmm. we as entrepreneurs need to think about what can we do to then take it to that next level so it isn't dependent on us so much? So what are some of the things yeah. that you would you would want to talk about that? And remember that our audience is everything from a coffee shop owner, tanning salon, mm-hmm. to network marketer and a solopreneur coach. I mean, we have people from across the board, but there's I know there's some pretty standard things. What were some of the things that yeah. you would think about that are really important? Well, I think you, you mentioned something really big there is that there's some people who don't want to sell. I mean, they don't want to work for anybody else. Uh, they want to be on their own, and that's fine. Um, but if you if if there's a possibility of that, I mean, a lot of companies, our company for one, is currently in talks with three different companies to do you know like a talent acquisition, where we're really going after a company because of one person, the founder or you know the creative director or someone like that. So we go to them, and then we make them offers. Just because of one person, I mean, we're, we're obviously we would like to get that name and those those customers, but that person is really is the business. Um, and so, whenever you're looking at, no matter what it is, um, if you're if you're a coffee shop owner, especially in real estate, I mean, I've I've heard of companies, real estate companies that are purchased because of a specific realtor um, or, or the you know brokers in charge or whoever. Um, you know, if you're building yourself, if you're branding yourself as the business, then you're kind of putting yourself in that position where, you know, my business can only be purchased as a talent acquisition, and now I'm going to have to go on with another company and stay on for X amount of time, which is usually years upon years until they get that, that value of the brand out of you, um, and then you get, you get paid off. But if that's not what you want and, you, you know, you do want to sell it, have a clean break or have a clean exit, then you do have to work on, uh, you know, branding the business in such a way so that you're not selling yourself, you're actually selling the business, even though you're providing a service. Uh, you know, if, if it's people come to your coffee shop because you're the person um, that's making their, their coffee and you make the best coffee, then you have to make it more about the coffee and less about you making the coffee. Um, if you're, if you're the, the realtor, you need to have other folks that are coming in and, and try to work on I know it's tough, especially being an entrepreneur or being someone that's uh, always been in control you have to let loose of some of that and bring other people in the fold so that that way they look at the business and not the business person uh, and that they are actually buying a product as opposed to a service, even though it is a service. 
Right, and I love that, and it does make sense, and I think we all should be thinking about that no matter where we are in our business mm -hmm. to, to start thinking of it as, you know, what what do we need to bring in because, you know, generally, especially when we're small, we do everything ourselves. I mean, even now, as, as long as I've been in business, I still do a mass majority of the stuff myself. Part yeah. of it's because I enjoy doing it, but part of it is because that's kind of the flow that I've built, but quite honestly, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be doing all this work. Yeah. I should be bringing in a team that helps build some of the back-end pieces and, and releases so not everything is dependent on me, even though right now I've kind of created this business as a as a talent-based business, as you, mm -hmm. as you would call it, you know, in that aspect that I'm the face of the company, I'm the one that does the training and the speaking gigs and all that kind of stuff, but I should, you know, I know for myself that even that, I should be bringing in teams to help implement the systems behind it, and then, of course, one of the things that I do have in, in mind for down the road, and hopefully sooner, sooner than later, is to start training trainers. So other people can start teaching the classes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's something for everybody listening to kind of think about in this process. What do you think of that? Most definitely. I mean, you you look at um, as far as instructors and, and different, you know, uh, people that can possibly uh, give some of the classes and say, how can I pull? How can I step away? Obviously, you still want to make sure that the profits are there because. That's where a lot of your your uh, your money's coming from is the time that you've invested and that you're putting in some of that, that equity. But um, if you can get if you can bring more people in, produce more classes. Now you've freed yourself up to do more marketing and do more self promotion, um, work on more books and and talk to more people about what all that the university can provide. Um, and that that is for everybody. I mean, if you can bring someone else to help make the coffee in the coffee shop, now you can go out and work on promotions and and talk to other work on some, some co-ops or some, some different marketing schemes, things like that. I mean, you free yourself up to do other things in, uh, you know, in the business. So it, it definitely is. You, you have to think about it from, from the perspective of uh, whenever someone, even if you're never going to plan to sell, as you've uh, mentioned, if, if it's a lifestyle business and you want to keep it to yourself, you still have to look at it as how valuable can I make this because the more valuable it is, the more profitable that it is for you and the less uh, role that you'll have to take into it to or take in that business to make it as profitable as it is. Because if someone else is putting the courses together, if someone else is editing the, the podcast, if someone else is making the coffee, now you don't have to do it. That's one last thing you, that you've taken off your plate, and now you've kind of opened your lifestyle up a little bit more. Right, and I do love that. And I think that there's a lot of people that listen to this that are into more of a lifestyle business, coaches, consultants, mm -hmm. internet marketing-related people that don't necessarily have a brick-and-mortar retail location, and that's something that we should be thinking about. I mean, I just um, just earlier I was having a conversation with somebody who is in the process of getting ready to hire a new virtual assistant to help her with mm -hmm. her business because she's at that level, and we even go through that same process and of, okay, what are we going to do next? What's the next way we can systematize that? And I know that that's, systematizing is a really important thing on any kind of level of business. Let's talk about that for a little bit. What kind of systems do you think people should be putting in place in order to make their business more sellable? Well, I've, you know, like we always have our operating procedures like we have um, for in, in any of the businesses that we look at. It's like if you were to, if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, someone else could step in and easily look and say, okay, this is what happens whenever a new customer comes in. This is what happens when a new lead comes through. This is what happens whenever, you know, someone's ready to pay. All those processes and procedures are in place. Um, even if you're the only person that's doing it, 
uh, if something happens, someone could easily jump in and help out. Or when you do bring in that new hire or that new assistant um, to come in, they can just kind of pick up the say, okay, well, okay, this is what happens whenever someone wants, wants to make a payment, or this is how we make deposits, or this is how we, you know, um, manage our, our pay-per-click campaigns or, um, you know, produce marketing materials or Facebook or whatever it is, however, whatever types of uh, systems that your business has in place, is, place to run, there should be a, uh, you know, kind of like a, a standard operating procedure for each one of them. Um, it, it's, it's really tough if someone comes in and you're the only one that's been there. Um, you, you kind of hold all those things really close and you say, no, no, just let me do it, just let me do it. And then that person's usually just standing around. If you can put some of that stuff in, uh, you know, document uh, and hand it over to them, as long as it's documented correctly, and the first couple times they're going to have questions, but after a while they're just picking it right up. And you had actually mentioned something a little earlier that you want to get or that someone was wanting to get to that level where they could bring in a virtual assistant. And I've actually found that we, when we've hired before we needed them, we've actually really needed them. We just thought we didn't. So um, if, if we felt like we needed another assistant for myself or one of the partners, you know, we've said, well, we'll wait till, and then, you know, the opportunity comes up, we actually bring someone in. It turns out that we actually really did need them, and we're able to get a lot more done just because they were able to take some stuff off of our plate. Um, so actually bringing some of those folks in, uh, that's more of a, a business decision than, than it is, uh, you know, a, a standard procedures or, um, or some sort of system that's in place. But whenever they do come in, if you have those things in order, ready to just hand over and say, this is how it's done, um, or go to this folder, go to this area. You know, like we put, we have a, a folder up on Google Drive which has all of our, you know, procedures in it. Someone could just jump right in and say, okay, this is what happens, you know. Uh, Ryan's out today. Someone's coming in to, um, you know, talk about getting X, Y, and Z, and this is what we're going to do. Um, it, it does take a little bit of time, but once you get that stuff in place, anybody can can step in, and it's, it's very uh, useful whenever, uh, you know, other companies are looking looking at you uh, as an acquisition target. Right, and that's awesome to have that, and I know that that's helped us in our business too, even for ourselves, and I think uh -huh. having those systems and procedures in place and having that, that basically your own operations manual, I think yeah. that that really helps because like you even for me, and I, this is one of the things that I teach in a lot of my classes, is that if you build this kind of thing first, what ends up happening is that you start referencing it and you become more consistent in everything you do, which sure. gets you better results. And then, then you are also prepared for handing it off when somebody else comes into play. But I've found that once I sit down and document something that I'm working on, that I become better at it because if I just go off the top of my head, Things sometimes get missed. I forget things oh, yeah. here or there, or maybe I do things out of order, and it ends up causing problems where it takes longer to finish. Where if I just have a checklist, I can go off the checklist, you know, start one, start two, start three. Okay, oop, I forgot this one. Need to put this one in now. It helps me be better, more efficient, more consistent with everything that I do. And then when I bring somebody else in, it's like, okay, here you go. And they just do it. It's easy. You know, you, you spend less time on the training side as well. Yeah, I mean, and you being from the internet marketing web design world, you know how important those checklists are, those pre-launch and post-launch checklists, um, you know, making sure sitemaps are submitted and all the links work and, um, you know, whenever you sign a client, making sure that they have the domain name and blah, blah, blah. I mean, all those checklists that kind of you have to ensure that you have or else you're going to get right to launch and you're going to say, whoops, who's got the, you know, domain login so we can't get in and, and launch this guy. So it, and, and that, that's for anybody. I mean, like if uh, – 
you know, are, are we rotating the coffee at the coffee shop? You know, is uh, who's checking the leads that are coming through um, on the, the from the MLS? I mean, if you're a real estate company, I mean, no matter what kind of uh, business that you are, if uh, if there's a checklist, okay, it's Tuesday. What am I doing on Tuesday? Um, the the more systematic that you can make things, the, the less thinking that you have to do. And, and obviously, like you said, the more consistent everything is, and, and that's what customers really really want is they want clear, consistent, reliable uh, service from you. So. Right, I love that. Yeah, definitely, it does help. And yes, from the back, from the web design world, that has been a huge one. And even now, we have checklists that have the logins for. You know, we use WordPress for most of our websites, so we actually have logins for all that information. So, not only if I hand it off to somebody, but I can actually go find it easily myself. You know, there's nothing worse than sitting there going, "Hey." What's the login? How do I get into this particular site? Or even like right now, we have a, a promotion for an affiliate product that we're getting ready to do, and I don't know what the link is for that affiliate promotion. And I'm like, okay, I need to find this. And so because of that, we're actually creating a document that's for every single one of our products that has, here's the sales page, here's the discount sales page, here's the affiliate link, here's you know all the coding, all the parts and pieces in one document. That way... All I have to do is say, okay, I'm trading, I'm opening up this particular product. This is what I'm promoting. Here's the document that has everything I need with it. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and the checklist, the checklist portion of things. I mean, we, I think every industry has at least one, uh, you know, checklist guy who's uh, completely all about, you know, pushing the checklist, making sure that everybody's just uh, on top of things. It's really helped us out for sure. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And. You know, this is this is really, really powerful stuff because, again, you know, you may not necessarily be ready to sell your business, but if we sit there and we, we can teach you some of the things to think about when you're ready to, to the idea of make it sellable, make it ready to be sellable, if you decided tomorrow you just wanted to change your mind and do it, I mean, quite mm -hmm. honestly, with our web design company, we went through that. And I, I went through that process of, okay, I think I'm ready to, to get out of this. I want to do something else. And I didn't really have those systems and those processes in place. And so we ended up actually pulling back and deciding not to sell it, but we stopped taking on new clients. And, yeah. you know, that was probably not necessarily the best move in that particular format. But if I had been more prepared, then we probably could have sold it. We could have probably sold it for quite a bit because we were doing really well. Sure. But I just I didn't have those systems in place. It was all about me. And that's that's one of the things that we that we all as entrepreneurs need to think about. How can I take myself out of the picture? I, the sure. goal is I think I've heard one of the best phrases that I've ever heard was uh, position yourself so you can fire yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, I I didn't even think about this. I mean, I, like yourself, we, I started my second web design company, and you know, we're just rocking and rolling, having a good time, and then out of nowhere, um, my partner decides that he wants a partner at the time decided that he wanted to leave the company, and um, you know, I, we figured out you know what what is uh, what it was going to take for him to leave, and and then uh, I started looking around and said, wow, this is it's a lot of work. You know, how much is the business really worth? And, um, you know, come to find out that, you know, luckily we are, we had uh, hosting customers which have dollar amounts attached to, to them. But uh, for the most part, a large chunk of our business, which was marketing and search engine marketing, things like that, was, I mean, it was almost unsellable. And so even though we had, you know, great, uh, you know, we had money coming in, it was, we had clients and everyone was happy, um, 
yeah, no one could buy because they were buying us. They were buying our expertise. And if we left, I was kind of running into that same same thing again. And I was, you know, smashing my head against the wall. I can't believe I got myself in this position again. Um, and so we've, we've kind of, you know, and that really made me see, uh, you know, and this is way before, um, you know, Built to Sell or any of those books came out that kind of gave you a, a clear, this is what you need to be doing um, type path. But, uh, you know, when I'm looking back at it, I'm thinking, man, if I would have done that from the beginning, um, you know, who knows? Because we would have been able to position ourselves as, as a company that that's, uh, has products and as opposed to a service-based company. And, um, you know, if, if something does happen, like, you know, a partner wants to leave or, you know, heaven forbid there's a death in the family or, you know, the parents, anything like that, and you have to uh, leave for a while, even if you have to take a break from the business and go handle things, you have people and systems in place to uh, to make sure the business continues to run like it, like it should. Right. And I and I totally love that, and I, I think that that's a really critical thing that so many people don't do. And I actually have a situation where that actually, that same situation came up where actually I was in the hospital. And I ended up being in the hospital for five days, and, and because of that, ended up having, being in bed rest for a month. As much as I did not want to be there, I had no energy to do anything. And I realized that was a very big eye-opening point for me because as, even somebody in the Internet marketing space, which is what I do, you know, I do a lot of online stuff, I do training courses, memberships, sites, all that kind of stuff. Most of my work, the stuff that I do is all virtual. It's not like I have a real brick-and-mortar office per se, but I realized that everything was dependent on me, and when I was not able to work, everything stopped. And we actually, I, I guesstimate that I probably lost about $20,000 worth of revenue that month, and that yeah. didn't come back because people had projects that still needed to be done. They couldn't wait for me as much as they felt for me. They couldn't wait. And I realized at that point, okay, I've got to change some things. I've got to start getting these systems in place and putting pieces to make it so the business still runs even if I'm not available. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, tough. It's, it's really tough to kind of uh, let go of some. I mean, I know that uh, a couple of years ago I was sick. And I was out. Uh, I was out of it for about a month. I mean, I was I was in and out of the office, but I just couldn't get well and had pneumonia and some other stuff. And um, you know, it, it just even though I was still in and out of the office, the toll that it took and it those those projects get backed up. Um, you know, customers aren't being serviced like they should have. It, 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 most businesses can't come back from something like that. If you're um, if you're small, if you're service based, if you are the reason why people come, you know, to to, to your business, uh, it's really tough for, for a business to come back. I mean, it's, it's one of those devastating hits that uh, you just can't uh, you know, react to fast enough. Um, so, yeah, definitely having those systems in place, having people that can, that can work it. Um, obviously, they're never going to do it. They're never going to love the business as much as you. They're never going to take as much pride in things. as uh, Maybe they will. It's great if you can find somebody that does. But, you know, you're always going to be the one that cares more in the relationship as far as that goes. But um, at least someone will be there to kind of help things through until you can get back. Right. And then I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind, too, is always remember that you're – 
your employees, no matter whether they're virtual employees or physical employees at your at your office or any of that kind of stuff, they generally will not have the passion for your business that you do. And that's that was a hard one for me to learn. That I mean, I was putting in 17, 18 hour days, or seven days a week, going crazy, really just that attention to detail that was insane, which was great for the fact that that's what helped grow our, our business and my reputation. But when I did hire on people, they did not have that same passion. They did not have that same intensity of the attention to detail that I had, and I had a hard time with that. Let's talk about that for a second, because that's one thing I think, especially as entrepreneurs that have a have a business that they love, that's a hard one for us to to deal with. Yeah, and I think even if you get somebody who's an absolute rock star in the industry, who does you know they're the best real estate agent, you know they're the best meat cutter, whatever it is they do. Um, they may love their job and they may love what they do, but they don't necessarily look at it in the same way that you would as as a business owner. You know, pro- is it profitable? Is this the, is this a correct way to do it? Should I talk to a customer this way? Um, you know, do I have to stay later? It's five o'clock. I got to go. And as a business owner, you just have to kind of understand that that yes, this person does you know is good at their job. They do love it, but um, you know. This isn't their their life. This isn't their baby. I mean, this isn't something that they've created. They just view it completely different than you know. Everyone's wired differently. I think most entrepreneurs are just you know we we have this weird kind of thing about us that where we cannot stop thinking about our business and we cannot stop thinking about our customers. I mean, it's just our whole. It engulfs us. And for most folks that have an employee mindset, um, it doesn't. They may love and, and, and what they do, and that might engulf them to an extent, but they're never going to sit back and say, you know, was this, was this the most profitable way to do this? Or, um, you know, is this the best option for the business as a whole? Um, you know, and if there's, if there's you know, cuts to be made, or, or they're not the ones that are going to want to do that, obviously, because um, it's going to make their, their job a little bit tougher, and, and oh, it's going to make everyone's job a little bit tougher, but... Um, you know, you just you you have to know that going in, and know that whenever someone does uh, come into the, whenever you do bring that person in, that there's only going to be a certain level at which they're going to be, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, insanely in, in, ingrained into the business. After a while, they're going to, uh, especially in the beginning, they may be all about it, but then after a while, they're going to they're going to get right back to that same mindset where, you know, hey, it's quitting time, or it's the weekend, or you know, whatever. Um, and, and while you're thinking about it, they're, you know, doing their own thing, so. Right. Well, and that's one of the things, I think, why why systems and putting that stuff in place, those procedures in place helps is because then once you build that standard, here's the here's our standard quality of things, then it makes it easier, and you can always revise it and make it more effective and make it a little bit more fluid, but then mm-hmm. that way you're, they, you can hold them up to, okay, here's the process, and if they, as long as they follow the process, they're good to go. Most definitely. Most definitely. Right. So what would you say is one of the, the first things that people should look at? If if I am, let's say I'm a solopreneur, I, I have a home-based business of some sort, even like say a coach or a consultant, mm-hmm. what would be some of the first first things that I should do to get systematized? What are the first systems I should build right away and help build that you know, that sellable feature? Well, I think, first off, 
everyone needs to kind of take a step back and have a look at their business because, um, you know, a lot of people are working in their business so much they don't have the opportunity to work on their business um, because they're the ones that's doing. So if you take a step back and have a look at who your customers are and, and what kind of services that you provide, what your pricing is, and ask some people, hey, what do you think about this company? Maybe it's people that don't know that you're directly involved in the company um, and kind of get a pulse of, of, of how people are feeling because at that point you can work on your brand. And I think branding yourself and, and giving yourself, uh, m- making your company more of a product-based company than a service-based company, even if you are a service-based company, is going to make your company more sellable immediately. You know, then obviously all the while we're making sure that we're documenting uh, our processes and, and our procedures, um, creating those plans of action and statements. Uh, you know, we're getting all those things in place, but all the while we also have to make sure that every single time we talk to someone, we're talking in the same voice um, as far as the brand goes. Every time we, we get dressed at our, our uniforms, if, even if it's not a uniform, even if it's the same um, style of clothing, you know, we want to show up in gym clothes one day and a suit the next day. I mean, you, you kind of work on your brand. Um, you know, I thought Mary Maids is is, uh, is a name brand. You never call up and expect Mary to show up. I know it's a different spelling, but you never say, you know, Mary's not going to show up and clean my windows. Some They're going to send someone out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, that service-based business was built by someone. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure in the beginning people called and they wanted that, that one particular person to come out and clean clean the windows, but there had to be a transition point. And that happened whenever she was able to take and, uh, you know, brand the business more of, uh, hey, we offer these products and these, you know, this these packages. Um, this is the pricing for these packages. Everything's standardized. Um, and what that does is it allows an acquiring company or yourself to forecast what sales are going to be because they know that they only need X amount of customers at this price point or that price point uh, in order to make the business numbers work or to make the numbers work for acquisitions. So um, whenever you start putting those things in place, it automatically makes your business more sellable. People say, okay, now I'm going to this company because they sell X, they sell Y. Um, you know, it, it's it's – it, I know what it's going to cost. I don't have to wonder. And as coaches, coaches and consultants and, and uh, solopreneurs, a lot of times we're like, "That's going to be," and we just, you know, we just kind of come up with it right then. I mean, it's, hey, it's going to, it's going to take me X amount of hours to do this, um, and and I hate to do it too. I mean, I hate to say, "Hey, this website's going to be X amount," because, you know, you can't tell me that a, um, you know, automotive brochure website is going to be the same as an e-commerce website or whatever. Um, everything is different, but having that standardized pricing, it, it's going to give uh, you know it's going to give myself, my bookkeeper, my partners, my investors, um, and, and potential uh, acquirers uh, the opportunity to say, okay, taking on X amount of customers um, is going to make me more profitable, and we can pitch, uh, we can put X amount of dollars into advertising, and you know our, our customer acquisition numbers are blank. Uh, you know, and, and it, it helps them to kind of forecast things. But that all starts with making sure that you have a brand, that you have a name that's uh, that's known in the community uh, or, or in your area or, or, or nationwide, and uh, having standardized pricing so that that way you can say, hey, you know, we're company A, and we sell A, B, and C for X amount of dollars. 
Right. I love that. And that is so, so thing. And there's one piece that you just talked about with that, with the standardizing packages that I think is very, very critical for like most service-based businesses, they tend to go on the hourly rate. And I, and I remember back in the web design world where I had, here's the hourly rate, but what ended up, what I ended up doing was creating the, I had three packages that I put together. I said, this is, this is what it is. This is how many web or how many pages are going to be on the site, here's what's included, and here's how much. You get this, this, and this. And it was a typical good, better, best type formula. And sure. I used that to get away from the hourly rate concept because people, when you're at an hourly rate, people will nickel and dime you to death. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're and saying, so, well, gosh, how did it take you 50 hours to build that website? I mean, you know, um, did it take you 50 hours to do my buddy's website or something like that? I mean, as soon as you pull away from that, they say, okay, well, that's the price. That's what it is, you know. Um, it, you you can always look and say, I want to make X amount of dollars per hour, and then say it's going to take me 100 hours to do this project, so that's the hourly rate that I want to get, so that's going to be the, the cost of this, this product. Um, and just know that some customers are going to be easy and some customers are not. And uh, you're going to – you may make more money on the easy ones, but you're going to lose a little bit of money on, on the tougher ones, and that's okay. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, you, you want to make sure that people uh, can easily understand your product offerings and that they can uh, – that you're as profitable as, as you can possibly be. And, you know, as, as much as I hate to do it, even even now, even to this day, um, you know, we still have our, our standardized pricing for, for our websites. Hey, this is what a responsive site is going to be. This is what a, you know, a standard brochure site is going to be. I mean, we, we know what those numbers are, and it's easy. Customers can wrap their heads around it. They can say – Okay, so that's how much a widget is. All right, I'll take it. I'll take two. Um, and they don't have to say, well, the widget with 16 different, you know, uh, options on it is going to be X, Y, and Z. The more they have to think, uh, less, the less, the, um, you know, they're going to want to make that impulse purchase, which is what we all want. So. Right. No, and I, I totally agree with that. And then, you know, as a in the coaching world, you can do the same thing as a coach consultant. You know, anybody who generally is kind of like a hourly type, scenario, what I found, and this is one of the things that I do, is I actually have a particular coaching package where it includes 10 calls, this is what you get out of it, and this is how much it is. And then that yeah. is the package. And if somebody wants something different, I could do something different for them if I want to. I do have that choice as the business owner, but that's what I advertise. I say, this sure. is what it is, this is what you get for it, and this is how much it's going to cost. And yeah. a lot of times what I'll actually do is I, I say, okay, if you want you know, one call on your, you know, one call here and one call there or one, you know, consult here or session or whatever you want to call them, then usually it's massively more expensive than if they were to buy the package. And I say, okay, here's the package. It's this much. If you want just one, this is how much it's going to be. And they realize that they can get 10 for like double the price of two, you know. So then they're like, oh, well, maybe it is better to do it that way. But then you're packaging it to where it's simple. You know, think about that as, you know, you said something really important with that is you don't want them confused because the more confused they are, the less likely they're going to have that impulse buy. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, I, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. Um, it, even if you, if you price it the way you just talked about, I mean, how often has someone came and said, hey, what if I want to buy extra? I mean, they usually just buy the package and they think, okay, that's what it is. It's 10 calls and it's X amount of dollars. Um, 
you know, only when they get to the end of that 10 calls do they say, man, or when they get close to it, say, I'm going to need more of this, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's an offering like you talked about. It just gives you ample amount of time to kind of get into it and make sure that it's something that they definitely want to do. Um, it, customers look at it and say, it's a package, it's a price, it's what it is, it's easy, uh, I can wrap my head around it, here's my credit card number. And that's that's what ultimately what we want to do when we're in business. So. Right. And that's one thing, too, and I think that's, that it works really easy to put that together in that format because then it makes it easier for us to be able to take them to the next step. So let's say, as an example, and, and I, this is really good for a lot of the people listening here, is if you are kind of wishy-washy, well, it's this much an hour, and it depends on how mm-hmm. much time you need, and we can get we could do a quarter hour if that's what, all you really need today, and blah, blah, blah. What ends up happening is it makes it actually a nightmare for you to think oh, yeah. about, figure out how you're going to charge, where for me, it's real simple. I charge a flat rate, and I was like, okay, here's a link to the website. You go there and you pay. Then we have our call. It's not yeah. a matter of, okay, well, you pay this, but you could, you know, we mainly use 15 minutes instead of the whole hour, so, you know, why don't we just wait till the end, and then you're waiting to get paid and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, make it very yeah. simple. This is what it is. This is what you get. Here's how you pay for it. And then that makes your life easier. You don't have to think so hard. You don't have to validate yourself so much and for a client standpoint it's a matter of a yes or no that's it sure sure i mean i think that those those pages uh you look at like landing pages i, I keep reverting back to it obviously because we're from um web design backgrounds those landing pages that convert the best are the ones that have less on it um and that have very clear this is what you do uh calls to action and those those are the ones that convert the best because all those extra things that could you know distract a person from um, you know what it what it is that they want to do, which is purchase from you. Um, all those things are kind of taken away. So the less we can make them think, and the less we can make ourselves think too, um, the better it is. I mean, if I have to sit there and try to calculate, if I just add this and add that, I usually end up just saying, "Oh, I'll just throw it in," you know. And, and then now I'm now I'm becoming less profitable. Um, you know, our our designers' times as as just uh, become less profitable for them and for ourselves. So, um, you know, definitely the less that you can make yourself and then think, uh, the better. Right. And I do like that, too, is that you can – you don't want to think so hard. And one of the things, like I I mentioned, the good, better, best – formula. You know, that's something that's been around forever. We've all seen it. And, you know, I think I heard, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Dan Kennedy who said um, the whole reason why most movie theaters have no more than three exits is because if they had four, people wouldn't be able to make a decision and they'd all burn to death. (laughs) And that's really where we're talking about is you don't give them too many options because you give them too many options, they can't make a decision. You know, it's like the the model of... um, uh, one of the big food chains, uh, burger joints out of California. I'm trying to think of their name now. Um, oh man, now I can't think of it. They're like they came into Arizona when I was there and got like crazy. Everybody went insane about them. But their menu is super simple, and a bunch of people listening to this are going to know what I'm talking about. Um, but basically, their menu is you get a single burger, a double burger, or oh, yeah. a triple burger. And is that, then they is that five guys you're thinking about. It's not Five Guys, but it's kind of a chain like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, I can't believe I can't think of the name of it because they have really good food. Uh, but their yeah. their whole thing is that they have a single, a double, a triple burger, and it are these are the things that it comes with. They have fries and milkshakes. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. 
and there's and there's it's like you can't stumble on what do I'm gonna what am I gonna eat because there's not any choices. You know, it just depends on how hungry are you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I think anybody that has a significant other that's trying to determine where they're going to eat uh, when they go out, I think we've all kind of uh, uh, felt that that pain of trying to determine which restaurant we're going to go to or or what we're going to have for dinner. Um, the the more choices, uh, the more opportunity there is to uh, to get lost and then to ultimately not make a choice. So, um, and that's not what you want to happen, of course. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. And it's there's nothing I hate more than going into a restaurant and having too many choices and then you know taking 20 minutes just to figure out what you do want. And that's this is the type of thing that people think about on a regular basis. So us as entrepreneurs, we need to make our clients' lives easier. And that's one of the things that this is this is so powerful with. I mean, we, we got a bit off topic from what our original thought sure, process sure. was, but it's all very relevant, and it all works together. So by packaging up your products and your services, you're making your life easier. You're making the decision-making process for your customers easier, and it's helping you systematize what you do, therefore making it easier for you to grow your business and to potentially mm-hmm. sell it down the road. For sure. For sure. I mean, even if like we, we've said it a dozen times, even if you don't want to sell it, it's going to help make your, your business more profitable. And that's, that's the name of the game, especially if you're, if you're wanting to stick around. I mean, if you want to stick around in your business, why not make it more profitable? Why, why not take it to another level? So, yeah. So just just an FYI, uh, my partner Cindy, I'm not sure where exactly she is, if she's downstairs or what, but somehow she's hearing bits of this conversation, and she just sent me a text message. It's In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger, gotcha. In-N-Out yeah. Burger, yeah. Uh, you ever ever get out to the West Coast, you need to check them out. They have some awesome food. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard great stuff about them. I, you know, I haven't been to the West Coast in, in years, but um, next time I'm out that way, I'm going to check it out for sure. Awesome. Very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we had some really good stuff, and I think that, that this is the kind of stuff that really needs to be explained and educated to people because a lot of times we, we just we don't think about it. We're too much directly into what that thing right in front of us is, and, okay, I have my widget. I have to sell my widget. We don't yeah. think about that big picture, and I think the big picture is what needs to be thought about in order to make our lives easier, whether we want to sell our businesses or not. And it's always nice to know that you could do it if you want to, even if you don't want Definitely. to, if you don't make the decision. You know, that's for me, I'm looking at it like, you know what, I probably never will want to. But mm-hmm. the fact that I could turn around and say, you know what, yeah, maybe I do want to, and be prepared for that. That's a very enlightening place to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very, I mean, I, I would not want to, you know, right now I could not see myself selling this business, but, you know, it's it's making it um, so that uh, every co- every company that we go to, to to look at for acquisition, um, if they have these things in place, it just makes it, uh, you know, makes it kind of a, a no-brainer for us because whenever I first looked to sell our, my company, uh, actually the second web design company, I I mean, I thought, oh, okay, cool. I did, did a little bit of Google research. I know what the multiples are and all that stuff, which all that stuff can be thrown out the window because a business is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So all these multiples are just guesstimates. Um, uh, you know, you can look at your EBITDA and all that good stuff all day long, but it really doesn't matter if you if you find the right partner, if you find the right company, um, then you can you can make infinitely more money or infinitely less money than you're thinking. But 
by having these systems in place, branding your business, looking at your services as products, by um, you know taking yourself as out of the business as much as possible, um, you know you're giving yourself that opportunity. You're giving yourself the possibility of it in the future, um, and you know hopefully you're making your business more profitable along the way. So. Awesome. Well, great stuff. So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really cool conversation. It's something we haven't talked about before, but I think it's it's very, very valuable, and I think um, you really laid it out clean and easy for everybody to listen to, and that's what I love about it. Great. Great. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, for allowing me to come on and, um, and, and talk about it. It's, uh, it's been awesome. So very cool. All right. So I have I have two last quick questions for you. Number one, uh-huh. there's one action step that you think people should get out and do. What would that be? Uh, it's definitely looking, taking a step back and looking at your business and saying, um, you know, if someone, if someone was looking at this to buy it, what would be the most valuable portions of it? And then taking that and really, uh, you know, really honing in on it, making sure that you're is branded correctly, that that's what you're actually pushing because. Sometimes we get excited with the things that make us feel good about our business, and we don't look at the things that are more profitable. Um, so if we can, if you can take a step back and kind of just assess your business situation, uh, determine which things uh, would be the most, uh, you know, uh, important for an acquirer, and then putting a little bit more time and effort into those. Right. Awesome. Very cool. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more about what you've got going on? Well, they can contact me at ryanharrell.com, R-Y-A-N-H-A-R-R-E-L-L.com, um, or my company, the 219group, 219group.com. Um, you know, we, uh, we help brand companies. We, uh, I consult with folks. Uh, we, this is actually, um, I've done four seminars, uh, actually five seminars since uh, the first of the year um, on a variety of different topics, and it was something that we help working with is, is branding and, um, and, and helping to position yourself online. So, um, you can reach me either one of those places. I'm always available on all the social networks. Um, you know, sometimes a little too much on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, etc. So, very cool, awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure. A lot of great information. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Ryan shared a lot of great stuff. This is why we do this, is so we can share the knowledge that we have to help make your life easier, help you market yourself more effectively, and have more fun while you're doing it at the same time. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Get out there. Have an amazing rock star week, as always. 